Lecture Notes, Descartes on the Self. How do we know about the self? Another point at which Descartes has been very influential is selfhood. Remember Descartes' cogito, I think, therefore I am. Doubt serves to verify my existence, the one fundamental thing I can never doubt. Descartes says, thinking is, quote, what happens in me such that I am immediately conscious of it, end quote. Descartes isn't talking about a physical thing that happens to you. He's talking about a thinking thing that happens in you, and it's awareness of this that proves our existence. So, next section. What is the nature of the self? Dualism. Descartes believes that there are two main kinds of substance, mental and physical. Because of the cogito, that I think therefore I am, Descartes is sure of his mental existence. That's a foundational truth for him. But believes that his bodily existence is a separate question that requires separate proof. But even once Descartes builds back up his edifice of knowledge, this division between mental and physical remains. If we can prove and understand the idea of a mental existence when physical reality is still in question, this suggests that we are each fundamentally mental beings. Any body we have is accidental or secondary and not one of our defining features on Descartes' view. I realize this distinction between what philosophers call essential properties versus accidental properties is maybe not familiar. So let me quick give a different example that might be easier to understand. At the time of me writing this, slash speaking this, one of my properties is that I have longish brownish hair. However, this property is accidental, which just means that it's not essential to who I am. If I leave work and go shave off all of my hair later today, I don't become a different person. Or if I go dye my hair blonde or blue, I'm still the same person. So my hair color and its length are not essential to my identity. Changes in my hair don't change who I am as a person. Now, it's much harder to say what, if any, of my properties are essential. This is one of the things that's really difficult about, say, schizophrenia diagnoses or traumatic brain injuries. These things often have a profound effect on personality and behavior. And so if you have a relative or a friend who's undergone a traumatic brain injury, you might find yourself saying something like, oh, they're not, they're just not the same person. It's like a totally different person. Some of you might even take this a step further and say, no, this really truly is a different person. Their essence has changed. However, in the case of the traumatic brain injury, notice that what we are talking about is a change to something physical, something bodily. We're talking about an injury to one's brain, which is a part of one's body. On a Cartesian view, your brain, a physical organ, is not the same as your mind or soul, which is immaterial. So on Descartes' view, a traumatic brain injury still wouldn't change your fundamental underlying essence, because on his view, your essence is immaterial. In short, Descartes' view is called mind-body dualism, or the theory that human beings are made up of two totally different kinds of reality, mind-soul, a mental reality, and body, a physical reality. In particular, Descartes adopts a very mechanistic view of the body. Our bodies are like machines, on his view. But this has some concerning implications when it comes to, for instance, animals. 
Because Descartes believes that animals don't have souls or rational minds, he thinks that animals are essentially bodies and thus are machine-like. So according to Cartesian dualism, when I accidentally step on my cat's foot and he snarls in pain, he doesn't feel pain because he doesn't have a rational mind in which to feel anything. His snarl of pain is just like squealing car tires when you slam on the brakes of a car. Described this way, dualism might seem extreme and absurd. We think it's clear that animals can feel pain, for instance. But consider one advantage of dualism for Descartes. Since he believes that reality is divided into mental and physical, this allows him to make room for science. Scientists just steady the principles and mechanisms of the machine that is the physical world. On the other hand, however, we have mental and spiritual reality. This carves out space for religion, ethics, free will, and the authority of the church. Thus, even though I assume and hope you all believe that animals can feel pain, there's a sense in which many of you may still be attracted to a Cartesian dualism when, dualism when it comes to the relationship between faith and science. Many people still today carve up reality into physical and spiritual in a way that is no doubt influenced by Descartes. Addendum. Although we didn't make much of it above, a key concept for Descartes is the idea of self-evident truth. The idea of self-evident truth was a relatively popular concept among Renaissance thinkers. And remember, Descartes is writing just at the tail end of the Renaissance. He marks the transition from Renaissance to early modern. So what is a self-evident truth? Something that we will simply see as true when we inspect it carefully. Or, in other words, a statement that we will recognize and understand as true simply by thinking about it. Some truths are not self-evident and require investigation or study in order for us to know that they're true. But self-evident truths, if they exist, are the kind of thing we should grasp as true on their own terms. The very idea is in fact quite modern, since self-evident truths don't require the backing of sacred texts or religious authority or a king's word. We can know self-evident truths all by ourselves, just by thinking about them. It wasn't long before political theorists began to make all kinds of claims to self-evident truths. The most famous example probably comes from Thomas Jefferson, who, about a century after Descartes, opened the American Declaration of Independence from King George with the claim, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What this means philosophically is that Jefferson is claiming the human right to life, liberty, and happiness should be clearly true to anyone who pauses to think carefully about it. They are unquestionable truths that cannot be doubted, according to Jefferson. Jefferson was telling his king that there was something beyond the king's divinely ordained rights, that there was furthermore self-evident truth. For that, among others, we first have Rene Descartes to thank. 